Well, hello, Pastor Matt here. Just want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in to this message. We here at New Life Baptist Church hope that in making these resources available to the public, that we'll help to edify the body of Christ at large, and that you personally will increase in your knowledge of God, leading to a deeper love for Him. So this morning, we're going to continue on in Colossians chapter 3. We're actually at the end of Colossians this morning, or Colossians chapter 3 rather. So if you want to go ahead and grab your Bible and turn there, Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to be reading verses 22 through chapter 4 verse 1. So that's what we're going to be reading. And we'll get there in just a bit. Uh, Before we read that, I want to do a little bit of a recap to remind us, um, since we're at the end of the chapter, to remind us of all that we've seen so far. So chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, it opened up to talk about that the gospel changes your thought life. The gospel changes everything in your life. And that's what we've been learning throughout chapter 3. That's why we sing songs praising God that my sin is nailed to the cross because because of that and because of the, the regeneration that takes place within our hearts, we now can have a new thought life as we saw in verses 1 through 4. Even our thoughts are changed. He opened up saying, If then you have been raised with Christ Do this, that, and the other. And that's what we have been stemming from since verse 1. If you have been raised with Christ, even your thought life is changed. Verses 5 through 11, we saw that the gospel changes my actions and my behaviors. It changes how I interact with people in the church and, and outside of the church. Verses 12 through 17 also talks about our relationships. It was more specific about our relationships with fellow believers, uh, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. And it shapes a church. That the gospel working in the lives of the people, all of you individually, then also shapes what the life of the church looks like. Here locally and at large. The part of the, the, the body of Christ at large. And then the past two weeks, we were looking at verses 18 through 21, and we learned that the gospel shapes and molds your marriage and your parenting. So what are we to take from this? And then today, because today we're going to be looking at at how the gospel even changes how you are at work. So what we see here is that the gospel has far-reaching implications in your life. It's not just a Sunday morning gospel. It's not just a Wednesday evening gospel. It's not just a a summer camp gospel. The gospel affects every part of your life. How many of you in here know that this morning? It changes everything. It affects how I interact with people. It affects how I think, what I set my mind on. It affects how we operate in the church. It affects my marriage. It affects parenting. It affects everything. And this morning, we're going to focus on 
the Christian at work. I've entitled this sermon this morning, The Gospel at Work. So, let's go ahead and read our text this morning. If you would, stand with us as we read. Again, it's Colossians 3.22 through the first verse of chapter 4. This is the word of God. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you have a master in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, and we just are, are thankful that we have this opportunity to study your word. We're thankful, Lord, that the gospel affects everything and changes everything in our lives. So God, I pray that this morning your word would go forth and bear fruit in the lives of all of us, God. I pray that your word would shine brilliantly this morning. I pray that the gospel would shine brilliantly this morning, Lord. I pray that the words that come out of my mouth, Lord, would not be of human invention, and if they are, that they'd be forgotten. And may you be glorified this morning. In your holy name we pray this. Amen. You can be seated. Oh, I'm sorry, as Josh said. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> we, we need to start off with a little bit of a historical understanding of this passage. Most of your translations, the first word in verse 22 was slaves. Uh, mine was bondservants. So there's this word that is often translated in my, in my Bible as bondservants, and some other Bibles translated as slaves. Basically, what we need to understand is that this was written at a particular time in a particular context. Okay, Paul was not, number one, Paul was not condoning slavery, right? He's not saying, hey, it's very good for you to have slaves. He's not saying that. But what's happening is that in the context that they were in at that time in the world, slavery existed. It was a part of society. It was a part of the culture. And I know that today when we think of this, it, is, it has a lot of negative connotations because of what happened in American history. And by all means, that is absolutely awful. But it was a little bit different at that time. Quite often, what would happen is that a person who owed a debt would sell themselves into slavery under a person, and they would work. At times, there was a seven-year contract. So for seven years, you would work, and, and your master would give you a, a place to live, and he would feed you. So it wasn't as awful as it was here today, but even still, in 1 Corinthians 7.21, Paul says, if you are in this situation, and if you have an opportunity to gain your freedom, by all means, go do that. So he's not condoning slavery. We need to understand that. But we also need to understand 
that we don't have this context today, so it doesn't have a direct correlation with us today. The way that you can read husbands and wives and parents, and there's a direct correlation for that today. We have marriage, we have parenthood, we have all of those things today, but we don't have this particular situation in our context, and thank God for that. But the closest thing that we can liken to what Paul is saying here is the employee-employer relationship. How many of you in here have a job? Four people. That's amazing. (laughs) Wow. We're doing bad in here. God, help us. I'm assuming more people than that have jobs in here. Even the little ones have jobs. Wow. Poor kids. (laughs) So we all have jobs in here of some sort. And that would be the closest relation that we have to what this text is talking about. So what we're going to do is draw the principles that we learn from these passages and apply them where, we, where they fit in our context today. So we do have the employee-employer relationship. Now you might work for a big corporation, so you have a shift supervisor or you have a store manager, or you work for an executive, or maybe you work directly for the owner of your company. Whatever your situation is, what we're going to do with this passage is apply the principles that Paul is setting forth for us here to that situation. Are you tracking with me? So that's what we want to do, because we want to live lives that are honoring and glorifying to God. So we don't come to a word in the text that, oh, well, we don't have bond servants today. None of this stuff matters. None of this stuff applies to me. That's not how it works, right? Scripture says that all Scripture is profitable. All of it, every last bit of it is breathed out by God, and it is profitable to us. So we're going to draw the principles from this passage today. What is the first thing that he says? Obey your masters. Obey your masters in everything. What does that mean? It means follow the rules. What does that mean? It means if if your boss tells you to do something, you do it. That means that, and now this one, I'm really going to step on toes, I know, with this one. But that means that if you're not supposed to be on your cell phone, Facebook has to wait. That's a, man, that's a hard one, isn't it? You don't want to hear that one. Don't take my Facebook from me. But that's what this is saying. Obey your masters in everything, in all things. Now, I know your mind might be asking the question, well, you know, I, I work for a wicked man, and he often asks me to do things that are dishonest. Of course, your first allegiance, your first priority is to serve the Lord and to please the Lord and to follow the commands of Scripture. That's your first priority. But for the most of us, you're not working for Al Capone. At least I don't think so. I don't think you have that kind of job. For the most of us, you know, you work at a place that has corporate policies and procedures and you have an immediate superior that you report to and everything's okay. And quite often, they'll ask you to do things you don't want to do. What does the scripture say? 
Obey your masters in everything. Now why? We need to understand that what we're working from here is from verse 1 of chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, here's how you need to work at work. Here is how you need to operate in all the different contexts of your life. If you have a job, obey your superiors in everything. Why? Because you've been raised with Christ. You see, the gospel changes everything in our lives. Every aspect. There's not an aspect of our life that it does not touch. So, if they tell you to throw the trash, what do you do? You throw the trash. Now, I know this is really, really simple. But we talked about early on in chapter 3 that Paul was going to give us really practical Christian living wisdom. And so we need to see that this does apply to every part of your life. There's not an aspect of your life that, well, God doesn't really look at this. You know, God doesn't really care about this. Every part of your life matters. Even those small little things like taking out the trash at work or cleaning up your desk or being on time at work. Oh, God forbid, anything but that. Please no. Surely God doesn't care about my time clock stamps, right? But you see, God has set forth authority structures. That's what we're seeing in the home, in the marriage, in parenting, and at work. There are authority structures that God has ordained for us to be submissive under. And so that's what we need to understand when we go to work tomorrow morning. That this is a God-ordained authority structure. Do we live in a perfect world? Absolutely not. Are you going to have a manager sometimes who's overbearing and overburdens you? Sure, of course. But what is your duty in that situation? Obey your masters in everything. Now, I know you might not want to call them your master, I understand. But we are applying the principles to our context. Obey your supervisor in everything. Obey your manager in everything. Obey your, your chief executive officer in everything, etc., etc., etc. Your whole life is to be in submission to the Lord. Every aspect of your life, even at work, not because your boss is your master, but because the Lord is your master. First and foremost, you serve God. Now, what does Paul say here? He goes on to say, he qualifies this, right? He says, obey them in everything. Your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers. What does that mean? It means that God is not looking just at your actions, right? He's not just looking at at what you do and how you operate, he's looking at your heart. He understands what is the motivation of your heart. Are you doing this? Are you obeying just because you want to keep your boss off your back? That would be eye service as people pleasers. I just, whatever I can do to keep my boss off my back, off my case, oh, here he comes. What does he want? Hey, boss, how are you? Hey, yeah, yeah, absolutely, I'll get on that. I'll get on that right now. Yes, sir. 
And he walks away and, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Again? Again with the trash. Maybe you're a janitor in this situation, I'm not sure. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we, we've all done this before. Let's not, let's not play perfect Baptist this morning. We've all been there. We've all done this. I'll tell you, I'll confess, there was a time in my life where I wasn't saved, okay? And I worked for this particular company, and we would... <laughs> Uh, we had a, a sales manager who would sometimes be gone for hours on end. He'd have to go on sales calls outside of the city. And that day was the best day. When we knew he was going to be out of the office all day, oh my gosh, it might as well have been Christmas. We might as well have gotten bonuses. It was the best day of work. Why? Because we were working as people pleasers. Our work was merely eye service. So what we would do is we had cameras and we had the little ding, the chime on the door. So we'd go back to the warehouse and we'd play card games. We'd play all kinds of games. We had a, a very elaborate system back there. And we knew whenever we heard the ding, you grab this, you grab that, that goes here. We were so well organized to keep our lies hidden we were better workers at that than we were during the day. Until one day, nobody heard the ding because we were laughing too loud. And the discipline of God fell upon us. And as we were running to hide all of the things, my friend tripped and chips went everywhere. All over the floor. So there we were kicking. It's like we were doing the, you know, that Irish dance. Like just kicking things everywhere, trying to hide everything. And we got caught, rightfully so. But you see, the point of that story is not just to make you laugh, but to show you. That, that's what that looks like. That was absolutely working in a manner of eye service as, as people pleasers. Because our boss would show up normally and, oh, man, we've been productive all day. We haven't done a single thing. But to him... We're, we're sweeping, we're doing this, we find something to do. That was working as eye service, as people pleasers. Now what about you? Maybe your boss is at lunch and, okay, now I can get on my phone. Now I can do this, now I can do that. Ask yourself in that moment, am I working merely to please my boss? Am I only following our rules and following what I know to be as right just to keep him off my case or her off my case? Where's my heart in this? You see, the gospel changes everything. We are to abide by the company policies and procedures and, and directives, not as people pleasers, but as God pleasers with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. That's what he says. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers. Then how, Paul? How should we do it? With sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. You see, God, man looks on the outside. You can, you can do very little work and look like you're doing a lot because you've figured out the system. But God sees your heart. 
He sees what you're really thinking. He sees the the intentions and the motivations deep down within your heart. And that's what he's watching. He's not watching the the 32 minutes of productivity that you manage in a nine-hour workday. He's watching your heart, fearing God. Have you ever thought about it that way? Have you ever thought about that the, the fear of the Lord doesn't just apply to the worship service? The fact that I fear God applies to everything in my life. Herein is our motive. I, I follow the rules because I fear the Lord. I follow the rules. I obey my supervisor because I fear God. And he sees my heart. He sees the the inner workings of my thought life. Your superior may not always have their eyes on you, but rest assured that God absolutely does. One of the things that we've learned, we learned really early on in our study of the attributes of God is that he's omnipresent. You see, that means that he's everywhere at once. That means that when I'm at work and I'm messing around or I'm working with a really bad attitude, that means that he's seeing that. Nothing is hidden from the Lord. We have to be conscious of these things and we have to allow the Spirit to work in our lives, to work those those bad mindsets and those bad habits out of us. Are you working just to get an attaboy, a a pat on the back? Are you working just to to earn employee of the month? Are you working just to get recognition? That's not working with a sincere heart, fearing the Lord. Here's what Matthew Henry says in his commentary. He says, observe the fear of God ruling in the heart will make people good in every relation. Servants who fear God will be just and faithful when they are from under their master's eye because they know they are under the eye of God. That's really good. What does that mean? It means employees who fear the Lord are going to work just as hard when their boss is gone as they would with him there because they know that they are under the watchful eye of the Lord Almighty. Have you thought about this before? Look at verse 23. 23 and 24. What does he say? He says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that From the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And that sure does change things, doesn't it? That sure does change the attitude that I show up to the office with on Monday morning, doesn't it? Are are you that person at work? That Oh, it sure is a Monday. Oh, sure is a move. Just working for the weekend. Do people still say that? I don't know how old that is. Are you that person at work that everybody knows that they can come to with their complaints and their gossip because you're going to feed right back into it? 
Oh, you heard that? Let me tell you what I heard. Let me tell you about this person. Let me tell you about that. Did you know that they're blah, blah, doing this, that, and the other? The Lord is watching. The Lord is the one that you are to be working for. You are serving the Lord God. You need to see from this passage that Christians, true Christianity affects everything. And I'm going to continue to reiterate that until it sticks. But a true saving faith affects every part of your life. Everything. That means the conversations that you have around the water cooler. That means the, the, the text message groups that you create to, to gossip about people. He sees all of those things. And listen, if then you have been raised with Christ, put those things away. Put off the deeds of the flesh and walk in the Spirit, pleasing God. Why? Because you are serving the Lord Christ. That means when you show up to work tomorrow morning, you might work at XYZ Company, but truly who you're working unto is the Lord God Almighty. That ought to change how you think about your work. That ought to change the quality of your work. That you're not just trying to get by. You don't want to just do enough so that you can make your boss happy. No, I'm serving God here. Everything I do matters. When I sweep the floor, when I clean a toilet, when I prepare reports, whatever I do matters because I serve the Lord Christ. Tell me if that doesn't add profound significance to every workplace. Everything you do. The gospel has far-reaching, all-impacting power in everyday lives, even at work. For many of you, your job is your mission field. For many of you, you don't work around a bunch of Christians. For many of you, you go to work and you're surrounded by people who are dead in their sin. What does that mean? That means it's not an opportunity for you to withdraw or an opportunity for you to, to sample and savor a little taste of the world. It is an opportunity for you to adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. It is an opportunity for you to shine the light of Christ into darkness. It is an opportunity for you to show the world around you the mighty saving hand of Jesus Christ. People don't need to just see another person who goes to church. They need to see what a life given over to Christ is about. They need to see what, what the mighty saving arm of God does to a person's life. That's what your co-workers need to see. And part of how, part of how you display that is by going to work with a mindset that I am working unto the Lord. So whatever I do, I'm going to do it heartily, Paul says. Work heartily. Some of your translations say, work with your whole heart. 
all of you, joyfully. Why? Because I'm saved. Because like the song we just sang said, my sin is nailed to the cross. What do I have to frown about anymore? What do I have to, what reason can I possibly find to show up on Monday morning with a bad attitude? My sin is gone. We need to keep that in our minds. Keep that at the forefront of our brains. That's why Paul starts off chapter 3 talking about set your minds on things above. Not on the printer that doesn't work right at work. Not on that person that you, you get irritated by or by the manager who's overbearing. Set your minds on things above. Yes, even at the workplace. We could even go as far as saying especially at the workplace. Because if we're not careful, we'll find that we are blending right in with the world at work. We'll find that people are surprised that I'm a Christian. Well, if you're a Christian, I'm a Christian. Because I do what you do. So I'm just, I guess I'm saved too. It's that easy, huh? Listen to what Titus 2, 9 through 10 says. It's a very similar passage. You can flip there if you'd like. It's Titus 2, 9 through 10. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Have we ever thought about work like this? That when I go to work, I am here to adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. I am here to show the world what Christ does in a person's life. I'm not here just to collect a paycheck. I'm not here even to win employee of the month or to win other rewards or accolades. I'm here to display and adorn the doctrine of God. I'm here to show you what a Christian looks like. I'm here to show you the mighty saving power of my God. How do I do that? In part, by sweeping with a smile, joyfully, by working every bit as hard when my boss is gone as though he were there, by giving my all and working, trying to do a quality work at work, doing my best, giving my all. Even if you work at McDonald's, even if you work at Sonic Drive-In, you work at Target, wherever you work, you're not working there for man, you're working there for the Lord. Now listen, this also helps on the other side. For those of you who do work hard, and your work goes largely unnoticed, be encouraged this morning that the Lord sees you. It is for the Lord that you are working. And though you may never get recognition for men, you don't need it anyway. Why? Because it is from the Lord 
that you will receive your inheritance as your reward. It is from God Almighty. He sees you. And no, you may never climb the corporate ladder. No, you may never get that raise or the promotion that you really want. But you know what? God sees you. And you know what? There will come a day, even if you have to wait until you cross over into glory, there will come a day where you will be rewarded greatly for your faithfulness. Alistair Begg says, Whenever you find a Christian who doesn't give their best to their work, I can guarantee you that you've discovered a Christian who's forgotten who he's working for. So when we go to work tomorrow, let's remember who we really work for. Not as a way to puff ourselves up, to say, I don't have to listen to you, I listen to God. That's not how this works. You listen to God by listening to your superiors. You listen to God by following the guidelines and the orders at work and the policies that may even seem arbitrary. I follow them because I serve God and I fear God. The inheritance, verse 24, that we will receive the inheritance as our reward. We do not work hard or joyfully so that we can be employee of the month or to gain other accolades. We work hard and we will receive the inheritance as our reward. What is that? That's the eternal life spoken of in in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, your hard work will be rewarded with eternal life. That changes things. That changes things. That's not that I'm working to earn eternal life. We know very well we're saved by grace and grace alone. But because of that, now I can work my hardest knowing that my reward comes in the next life. And guess what? Should you be rewarded in this life, it's going to perish. It's going to fade. Even gold medals, eventually the, the, the luster and the, uh, the admiration of that fades away. But your inheritance in heaven will never fade. Your inheritance in heaven will last for all eternity. So maybe we need to set our minds on bigger things. Might you win employee of the month? Sure. But even that will be done unto the glory of God. First and foremost, I am working for the Lord. So let us take notice and take heart that it is the Lord that we serve. When you clock in tomorrow, think about that. When you're tempted, because it'll happen, when you're tempted to mess around and just be lazy and be slothful, remember, I am serving the Lord Christ He demands my all in all areas of my life. This gives profound meaning to the most menial tasks. Are you a janitor? Clean toilets for the glory of God. Do you work at a laundromat? Fold the towels unto the glory of the Lord. Are you a landscaper? Mow the lawns and trim the hedges Unto the glory of God. 
Do you manage large, large amounts of people or large amounts of inventory? Do so unto the glory of God without grumbling, without complaining, without bad-mouthing your superiors, without laziness. Do it all for the glory of God. You see, we don't glorify God by saying glory to God. We glorify God by giving our all in all areas of our lives, knowing that it is unto him that I work. Often we speak of a calling as only for people like me, only for the pastor. Pastors have callings. Missionaries have callings. You know, great singers, they have callings. So do you. So does the janitor. So does the, the trash man. So does the mailman. So does the police officer. You know what your calling is right where you work? Serve the Lord Christ. Glorify God. Work heartily unto the Lord. Obey your masters in everything. And trust that it is from the Lord that you will receive your inheritance. So you see, you are also serving the Lord, not just me. It's not just for the pastor. It's for anybody who has been raised with Christ. Church, if that doesn't fill your heart with encouragement, I don't know what will. That ought to motivate you to work hard for God. All will answer to him one day. Verse 25. We will all answer to the Lord one day. And you see, on that day, we do have to give an account even for our work life, for our thought life, for the things that we thought, sitting in traffic, for everything. We'll have to answer unto the Lord for those things. And he's not going to differentiate between, well, you were an executive and you were the, the, the employee. So the executive gets easier treatment than the employee. Or you were a small business owner and you only worked for a small business making minimum wage, so there's different grades that we will give you. That's not how it works. Because before him we will all stand on an even playing field. And on that day, the only hope that we have is to be able to have Jesus Christ as our advocate. We won't be able to tell him, well, I did this and I did that and I did the other. All that we will be able to say is whether or not your faith was put in the saving work of Christ. So this morning, if you never have, if you've never trusted the Lord, if you have not been born again, if you have not been raised with Christ, I want you to know that the Lord Christ that we serve has made a way for us all to stand before him on that day righteous. Stand before him on that day with nothing to fear. Because he lived a perfect and blameless life, the life that you and I were, are unable to live. And he went to the cross to bear your sins and my sins.
everything, even the sins you've committed at work. He bore them all on the cross of Calvary. As we sang in that song, my sin is nailed to the cross. And he died and rose again. And he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And the scriptures tell us that if we will call upon the name of the Lord, if we will repent of our sins, if we will put all of work of Christ you shall be saved and then you too along with us will work and receive the inheritance as our reward every single aspect of a person's life is changed by the power of the gospel he makes us a different and certainly better person in all areas of our life The Christian's thought life is shaped and molded by the Holy Spirit to be set on heavenly things, and the rest of our lives flows from there. As we pursue heavenly things, we are led to put to death that which is earthly within us, love our brothers and sisters in Christ, flourish in our marriages, disciple our children, and glorify God in the workplace. Let us wake up on Monday morning with a renewed desire to glorify our Savior and head to work knowing that we are serving the Lord Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the all-impacting, all far-reaching power of the gospel, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord, that we can have righteousness and right standing before you because of the perfect work of Jesus Christ and that it will then impact everything, every aspect of our lives, God. Lord, at this time, Lord, we just confess to you all of the areas that we have not been in line with what your word says. All of the sin in our lives, God, we confess it. Lord, and we confess that we are hopeless without you. Lord, and with you we know, God, that we can live the life that you call us to because it is you that works in us both to will and to desire to work unto you, Lord. So I pray that you go with us as we enter the workplace, Lord, knowing that we serve the Lord Christ. Lord, that we would start to see our workplace as the mission field and that we would glorify you in all that we do. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You can stay.